0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Pitching to Contact podcast for your listening pleasures. My name is Rich Burfer and I'm joined as always by my co-host Pete Horner. How's it going, Pete? We Hi. got a neat little for you this week.
1: How's it going? Oh, oh, absolutely, man. I am super soaked and super excited to be here today. And let's just just—I'm looking forward to this episode, man. Let's get at it.
0: Yes, sir. Let's introduce our guests. Um, we got two uh, this week. First one, uh He's a prep baseball report area scout. He's a miserable law school student, and he just so happens to be a guy that I crushed in fantasy basketball last week. Kevin Black, how's it going, man?
2: I'm still licking my wounds. That's fresh and it's uncalled for to come out with that.
0: Yeah, and the thing that probably hurts even more is what the Raptors are doing to the 76ers right now, too.
2: Not doing did. It's it's officially over. Kawhi Leonard is pretty good at basketball. It's over.
0: Yeah, I won like
2: fifteen. I
0: got Ben Simmons on one of my fantasy teams, and I think he got me like ten turnovers or something.
2: Yeah, not a great showing from the uh, Process Sixers.
0: There we go. But our second guest, um, he used to be the head editor of our CBBSN website. He's done a lot of work for our company, and now he's back. He's now a freelance writer and a grad student at Northwestern University. He's the less racist identical twin brother of Josh Hader. <laughs> that was
1: down. How's it going,
3: man? You know, no, I was gonna make fun of you because because I didn't go before Kevin. I wasn't introduced before Kevin, which I'm very bitter about already. We had <laughs> two minutes in, and then you dropped that. I I, I appreciate. It. I like the hater comps. Good picture. Good picture. How are you guys doing? No problem. How's Similar builds on both of them. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: How's oh man, what an intro.
0: Yeah, I figured I'd just go last with you because of that Josh hater comment.
1: <laughs> I mean, you can see it with the hair though. The hair fits you perfectly though, Lance.
0: The hair and the projectability. Plus, apparently, it's game season for Lance right now. Oh, it's game season,
2: boys. It's the winner. Come on. Now, Richard, how long did it take you to come up with that?
0: How long? Uh, honestly, not long at all because yeah, that's Lance what you're and talking. I actually had um, our previous podcast of Spot Starters, and at one point, we talked about our baseball dads, and mm. I didn't really know who my baseball
3: dad was, but Lance was, like, really adamant about Josh Yeah. Andy. So. Good one. I used to have Colby Rasmus when I was younger. I had the same kind of hair as him, but uh, you know, I, I figured I'd go with with Hater for now. Yeah. I, think, I think it's appropriate. There we go. Uh, how's how's Northwestern treating you, man? Doing really what well? good, man. I'm I'm well out here. Uh, getting a little cold. It was 65 degrees in Chicago today, though, which was terrifying because I walked outside and I was like, "Why do I have a jacket on? Why does it seem like it's Florida?" But it wasn't. It was it was Chicago. I don't really know what's going on, but otherwise, man, I'm doing well. Uh, a lot of writing. Uh, very sad baseballs over. Already looking forward to the winter meetings, though. And yeah, um, fall in the uh, NFL. Got a nationally televised game this weekend. I'm pretty stoked for that. You
0: that's know? Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Pete, uh, I'm I'm Canadian. What is 65 degrees?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a band from the 90s, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, man. Woo.
0: Um, anyways, guys, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, the World Series is just ending. Let's just get some of our general thoughts. Uh, I know Pete and I uh, picked the... L.A. Dodgers to win the World Series at the beginning of the playoffs. They got all the way to the end, and then they did what the Dodgers do best, which is choking the World Series. Uh, what were your thoughts on the on the World Series, Pete? Let's start off with you.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I have a confession to make, Richard. Um, in general. I used to always say like the Dodgers were going all the way, the Astros were going to crap on the Red Sox. I thought the Yankees were going to crap on the Red Sox. I was I was given the I was given the Red Sox no love, and you know what? I mean, they proved me wrong. They made me eat my words, and I have a confession to make. The Red Sox are legit. They are world champions. Yeah. They deserve every little bit of credit that I'm giving them right now. They really made me eat my words, and you know what? They are legit, and I have just the utmost respect for it. Mr. Cora and everything that they're all doing over there, like, congrats to them.
0: What did you guys think of the series? Right, let's go with Lance. Why not? Let's oh, start go off with me Lance. first. Yeah, me um, first this time. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm kind of surprised, Pete, that it took you this long to give them respect. They're <laughs> a pretty good team. After they beat the Yankees and after they beat the Astros, I was kind of like, all right. I, I had a feeling that whoever was going to come out of the AL was going to win it. I had some buddies up here in Chicago who were, who made a bet on the Dodgers. Before, like, uh, I think maybe early August, and I was like, it's gonna go to an AL team, like even if the Dodgers making it their the strongest team, I just, I think that three teams in the AL probably could have beaten the Dodgers in the World Series. Honestly, um, I picked the Yankees preseason start of the playoffs. I think I was probably Dodgers Astros. I thought it would be a rematch. I had a lot of faith in the Astros, but um, obviously didn't come through on that and I'm Very impressed with mainly how many games the Red Sox won on the road. Uh, I, I guess I always have a home bias, and I was stunned at how many games they pulled off on the road and particularly how good they played in season. There's always the debate now of whether they're one of the greatest teams of all time. I think that you have to put them in that conversation from a variety of factors. The thing that stood out the most to me was obviously that 18-inning game, but I, a microcosm of that game and Nathan Valdi, that was one of the most impressive pitching performances I have ever seen. And I, I will probably put it above Bumgarner's run a couple of years ago. I just was absolutely blown away with that guy throwing 100 pitches that late in a game. Yeah. The mental strength it takes for him to do that was just – I was yeah. blown away. I think that that's one of the most insane performances I've ever seen in a game, and that's that still sticking with me. I think that's what's going to stick with me from this World Series.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Wow, yeah.
3: Uh, Kevin, what do
0: you what do you got?
2: So I don't really have any arguments with anything anyone said. Uh, like Pete, I guess I have to give the Red Sox some credit as a Northeasterner. I'm kind of tired of Boston sports teams being oh, yeah. so Kingsford. successful. So I was rooting against them the entire time. But at the same time, I love the players on their team. Mookie is just a bona fide superstar. Watching Ivaldi do the things that he did was entertaining, which is what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And got to give credit where credit is due. Sale came out in that last inning throwing absolute gas with some nasty breaking stuff. They're a fun team to watch. I did think the Astros were going to win it all. So I'm a little bummed because I love what they do. Um, But, you know, got to give the Dodgers credit for going back to back. And uh, hopefully there's no turnover in that front office because I like the Dodgers when they're good.
0: Yeah. And in terms of Nathan Evaldi, that dude was pumping 98, like at the very end of his run. He was at like, a hundred pitches and he's just pumping 96, 98 gas. Like one thing I really want to know for a guy who's had two Tommy John surgeries, like what is his arm made of? Cause that, that was honestly insane. Like, good God. If he, tear, I hope he doesn't get hurt, but like Jesus Christ, he's doing everything to just get hurt again. But that was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen in my life. Um, it sucks that he lost that game. I actually wanted to see as a fan, because I, Literally, for the past two weeks, I've been watching two baseball teams that I really hate for some very odd reason. And but as just a fan of baseball, I really wanted to see Nathan Ivaldi close out game five. But obviously, Chris Sale makes a ton of sense, um, yeah.
2: And he was pretty nasty when he came out.
0: Oh, yeah, those three swinging strikes to every single one of those hitters that was yeah. just disgusting. And um, one thing I actually took away from the series on the Dodgers side was Walker Bueller. And oh yes, let's talk
3: about Walker. That's, that's
0: and uh, I know we love prospects, and obviously uh, Bueller is not really a prospect anymore, but he's still a young guy. And this guy's electric. Like I'm trying really hard not to swear, but when prospects are electric, uh, <laughs> you just kind of ha- have to hold yourself
3: back. What do you guys think about Walker Bueller? Can I start this? Oh my yeah, god, dude,
1: I'm start, I'm,
3: I'm, uh, I'm enamored with this kid. I I don't know when it was I turned on him in terms of really starting to like him, but there was a game where it was Bueller Flaherty early in the year. No, kind of late in the year, actually. I want to say maybe in August, uh, Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals, obviously. And I watched that game through. And just the realization that he throws five pitches above 10% of the time and also mixes in the sixth pitch and the changeup to lefties, a little bit kind of on a lower percentile band, but – the fact that he has five pitches and they're all legitimate pitches. I'm not. We're not talking about someone who's who's fringe who's has like a fringe change or anything. He's fastball, two-seamer, cutter, and that cutter is just devastating. It's like 94, 95. Goes curveball. He goes slider, full slider, two lower velocity band on that differential off the cutter. I'm just I, I don't understand how this guy is able to command these pitches, and I just I'm blown, absolutely blown away by him. He is. I think I I'd be happy to put odds on him or put money down on him to win a Cy Young in his career at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mechanics are fluid. I think they're very well engaged. I don't really have any concerns around that. It's a, it's a beautiful blend of of concise at the same time as it is explosive. Um, I just, I'm just i enamored with the kid, and I just can't get over the fact that he throws five pitches. You're turning over a lineup a third time, and you have two, three other pitches you probably haven't thrown, maybe two other pitches you haven't thrown to a, an individual hitter. It's just it's baffling to me, and I'm I'm just all in on Walker Bueller. I love this kid.
0: Yeah, and before I bring it over to uh, Kevin and Pete, um, something that uh, people should just think about is the Boston Red Sox probably have one of the most, if not the most, prolific offense we've seen seen in MLB history, right? And they've hit everyone in the playoffs. They've hit J- Justin Verlander. They've hit li- the Houston Astros' starting rotation is full of studs. They've hit uh, Severino as well in the Yankees, and then Walker Buehler comes out and just seven incredible innings against one of the best offenses in baseball. And uh, Kevin, you're a big, you're you're PBR scout, and um, what are your thoughts on Walker and how he performed?
2: So, in scouting, you're really supposed to talk about tools uh, and makeup. You know, you also add that in. But I think the biggest selling point for Bueller is he just has that it factor, mm-hmm. which there's no real term for it uh, outside of like mound presence. But you watch the way that he works and then you read because not everyone gets access to go watch these guys all the time in person. But you read about the, the mental games that he plays and the way that he prepares and you just know that this guy has what it takes to be an elite pitcher in Major League Baseball because he has the stuff. Uh, and then adding into it, I mean, Kyle Bodie before driveline went mainstream was hyping this guy up as the best arm in that draft, knowing full well he was going into the draft and going to need to get Tommy John. Uh, so if that doesn't speak to kind of the level of talent that some people saw early on in the process, I don't know what does. hmm
3: mm-hmm. Look, the craziest thing, can I jump in very quickly and toss one thing out there, is you talk about the dominance of the Red Sox. Um, I, I really like watching games with with baseball savants game feed up just to see pitches and stuff, mid max and I think that that's a really good application to have up, like second screen. And yeah, I, I, in the sixth inning or seventh inning, I realized that he didn't have a swinging strike on either breaking ball, and I was, like, floored. I just didn't understand. He was working basically with no feel for his breaking ball that entire start, and he, he held the Red Sox completely. It was one of the best offenses in baseball. Through seven innings, and I think he eventually got one on a slider to someone, but that just like blew my mind, because I was like, wow, he's got a breaking ball field, and yet he could still get through seven innings in a, in a World Series game after throwing however many innings he did in regular season. It's just baffling. I, I love him.
1: I honestly can't deny that I'm actually, right now, as we're speaking in this podcast, watching the highlights of his Game 3 performance just to <laughs> a little bit. Like, like to me, like Walker Bueller is just special to me in just so many different ways. But not to rant, I mean, not to go on a 30 minute tangent about pitching mechanics and just projectability and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it's kind of like Max Scherzer and Zach Granke got together and made a love child that throws 100 <laughs> miles an hour with five other great pitches. Yeah, it's baffling.
2: I believe Josh Burns threw the Scherzer comp on, uh, on, bueller recently oh no it's an
1: accurate comp if you if you compare their mechanics side by side it's it's actually accurate and if you actually look at zach Greinke, he has a little bit of like zach Greinke esque to him as well so mm-hmm. but yeah like it's just like they made a love child that throws 100 miles an hour and has five other pitches that are just honestly filthy as lance kind of touched on and like to me he's one of like at least to me in my little group of young pitchers that i love to watch in major league baseball right now he's easily at the top of that list Without a doubt, this guy's going to have a very long, very amazing career in Major League Baseball.
0: How first? Of, how, how about Justin Verlander? Because when I watch Walker Bueller pitch, uh, one of the comps I think of is Justin Verlander, especially um, when it comes to his mechanics. And one thing uh, 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 Kevin kind of touched on this. One thing I really love about young pitchers and just pitchers in general is when they have a little bit of "fuck you" in them, and you can. Oh see yeah, absolutely and it's and you you just got to love that because they pitch with an edge and Walker Buehler is a guy who just does that. Um I like I I was all in on on Walker Buehler but when the Dodgers won the NLCS and he was searching for his NLCS shirt
1: <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> what he said, "Oh yeah.
0: Oh, I I love this kid now. Like he is now officially my probably my one of my top 5 favorite pitchers in baseball." I love it. Probably younger than I am.
1: Yeah, the way I see it, like from just a pitcher versus hitter perspective, as a pitcher, you are imposing your will on a hitter, an enemy with a wood bat in their hands, and that's their weapon. Like you need to have a little bit of kind of like an FU confidence out there. You kind of have to be able to walk out there with your confidence already being there 10 minutes before you even got on the mound. Like you, you got to have that swagger in order to be successful because in Major League Baseball, if you don't have that and you don't have that me factor or that it factor that we talk about, um, you'll get washed out very, very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Before we shift over and talk about some new manager hires, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Manny Machado? He's kind of become the villain over these pa- uh, past few series. Uh, what do you think happens to him moving forward? And just to tie things into Manny Machado's free agent status, what happens to Bryce Harper? Like I have no, uh, Scott Boris said that they already have a deal in place with a team. I've heard False some rumors. Flag. Oh, that's an agent doing agent thing.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I think it's genius, but I'm not falling for that. Like I've, I've also heard rumors about a potential one year deal for Bryce Harper. What do you what do you guys think is gonna happen with Machado and Harper?
1: Hmm. You wanna take this, Kevin? Yeah, I can go I
2: can go first. I kinda just see both of them going to whoever the highest bidder is, and at this point I don't know. I know the Phillies have been linked to both of them individually and as a, a way to go after both of them this offseason. I don't really know how that would work because that's an awful lot of money to blow in one offseason. Uh but all of these concerns over Machado's attitude that popped up um, and the, the nagging questions about Harper's attitude in the past, I really don't see how it's going to cost them. Um, and the idea of Harper signing a one-year deal or any kind of short-term deal to rebuild value, it's not like he was terrible this year. He was still you know, an above-average baseball player. It's just he wasn't at the same MVP level that he had been in the past. Um so I still think they're both going to get crazy amounts of money and are just going to go to whoever offers them the most.
3: Yeah, I'm 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 not too sure honestly. I I don't know what my opinion is of Manny Machado. I think regardless of his personal actions, what I've read from a lot of their teams especially when you go back to some of the Orioles things that were written after he left was from and Adam Jones, he's an extremely good clubhouse guy for the team. And and this is coming from players and managers. This isn't just my impression of I really don't know if he's a good clubhouse guy. But it seems to me like people who play with him say he's a good clubhouse guy. So Mm -hmm. he just seems to be one of those guys that you hate when he's not on your team. And when he's on your team, he probably does things that you're a little bit irked about. But I guess you kind of get past it. And I'm sure wherever he goes, he's going to be extremely productive. And there's already been rumors that he's going to earn more than – then harper i guess i kind of fell kevin for the uh for the boris terminology to michael k i listened to that and he seemed like he was being relatively uh serious about it but uh um i maybe that's just agent speaking i don't know it's well you definitely have more of that precedent than i do but um yeah i mean if i had predictions i think the phillies have a lot of money i i just don't think they land either of them i i i guess the cubs pay up for harper and machado man i really don't know i uh Geez, I, I just feel like I don't have a gauge, really. Like, I'm not sure if I should go dark horse team. I feel like dark horse teams always slip into situations like this, um, especially when they're massive prospects. But uh, I'm, I'm torn as to where they go. I don't think that Women's Channel did affect his value as much as the media and everyone seems to perceive it as. And I think Harper's going to earn a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one year deals, I, I don't know if that was much of a rumor as it was just a proposal, which. Um, I know that guys like Lincecum I think in the past maybe tested a little bit and obviously didn't work out for him, but that's a huge bet on yourself. I think that Boris obviously as an agent is much more interested in the large contract to secure him mm-hmm. and sets the precedent along the lines of what we saw with Giancarlo Stan and the guys like Pujols in the past. I think that Harper's at that level. I think someone will come up and pay Harper that amount and Boris will walk away with a very hefty check and Harper yeah. will walk away with guarantees. And I, I Can I say that I think Harper's best years are still ahead of him? Um, yeah,
0: I mean he's like twenty-six.
3: Yeah, yeah I think he's gonna have really like another young. peak year at like twenty-eight or something, you know. Yeah. He's got another year where he's just gonna post like ten war or something. I'm waiting for it.
0: Oh, it's good it's probably gonna happen. Uh how legit do you think the Manny Machado to the Yankee rumors are?
3: I, <sighs> I think they're legit. Yeah, the Yankees are not in everything, right? I feel like they always are.
0: Yeah, always, and they have money now awesome. too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I the odd I thing though, I'll pass back to you guys here. Like, do you think what exactly do they do with that infield then? Gleeber goes to second and Duhar stays at third. Manny no, at short?
0: But like, who who at cares first. about on Duhar though? Already though, Duhar you at
3: have Boy, you have Bird. You have a lot of guys that got to play first. Who cares about Bird? You have Manny Machado.
1: what I'm saying. You have Manny Machado. Um, my whole take on the entire situation with all that is I don't think Manny Machado's uh, free agent stock is as affected as the media makes it sound. Yeah. Once again, kind of like what Richard and I talked about in our last yeah. podcast Manny Machado isn't paid millions of dollars to hustle down the line. He is paid millions of dollars to hit home runs, doubles and field a great shortstop at third base. That's what he's paid for. So I don't I don't necessarily care about that. When you play 182 games in a season, I don't necessarily expect you to hustle every single thing out. Um in terms of Bryce Harper, um I think in general like Once again, there's a lot of teams in play. you got the Cubs. you got the Phillies. The Nationals will still be in play. The Yankees will still be in play. The Dodgers always throw their hat and do essentially everything. So there's obviously going to be a market there. Um, I actually – I'm in the minority. I actually believe that Bryce Harper is going to go back to the Nationals, not because that's the best fit for him whatsoever. I don't think it is. I think he needs to go somewhere different. But I just think just – I just think that the Nationals are going to Nationals. So <laughs> laugh at that because you know it's true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the classic run it yeah, back. Nationals, are the Nationals and they're going to put a dump truck of money on Bryce Harper's lap and he's going to stay there and they're going to continue to be an 82 and 80 team or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Keep but think about next man, year
2: that run. outfield. If they get Harper back, then you have Robles and you have Soto. That's a yep. fun outfield. You have very
3: close to the majors. You have the possibility, I think, that they might land uh, a guy like Real Muto. I don't know if they have the prospects if they want to keep uh, Robles and Keyboom and some of these other guys, but I don't know. I, I think that'd be a scary team.
1: Nationals. nationals are going to nationals. Yeah. Um, I think also with Manny Machado, um, I think that's going to be more of the highest bidder. I wouldn't be shocked if he stays in L.A. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to New York because New York will more than happily dump a dump truckload of money on his lap. But honestly, I actually think he's probably going to go to Philly. I think Philadelphia is wanting to take that next step. They want to be considered as contenders. They want to be considered as legit. And I think that they, with the funds that they have now and where their team is at, I think they're looking for that next spark. And I feel like Manny Machado is probably that fit that they're going to try to do. Um, but once again, free agency in the MLB is very similar to free agency in the NFL. It's just basically highest bidder, essentially. So, like, like we'll see what happens. But I think he's going to be a Philadelphia Philly because they're just going to pay way too much money for him. Mm-hmm. But that's but that's just my opinion.
2: as you are starting a team, which one do you target?
0: I think I go with Manny Machado. I, think there's he, more I would agree because he's a shortstop and like,
3: that's where I was going to go with it, rich. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a guy who can play a premium position and hit dingers and his, I love his style. I think he's a, the dude's a superstar. Uh, but meanwhile, I can't wait to see um, if the Toronto blue Jays sign Marco Estrada
3: or James. <laughs> that's going to be incredible. Yeah, but Hold down Vlad junior for a month. It'll be great.
1: Hey, yo, yeah. Speaking of speaking of the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm getting that new manager up in there, Mr. Montoyo. Man, you guys are. Man, isn't it like every major league team that's looking for a manager right now is just trying to poach every bench coach from the Rays ever. <laughs> man, that's trying to pull. That's kind of how it's high bloom too. I guess yeah. everyone loves the Rays. That's kind of how it
0: should work. Like I, I think in any sport, you should just go after the coaching staff of a team that's proven to be smart and successful. And like maybe, the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays have been able to accomplish what they've accomplished this year. This year is incredible. I mean, that's why you see the Houston Astros, their, their benches being uh, bench coaches are being rated as well. And that's how kind of how it should work. And then you have guys like Brad Osmus getting jobs, which, makes all sense. Um, but personally, right. I really love the Montoya um, hiring. I think it's going to be great for the team. Um, he's paid his dues 10 times over. Um, I really believe that guys like him should deserve opportunities like these like he's been working in the minors as a manager and he's found success in the minors then he moved to the Rays he did a really good job with the Rays I think it's just time like he's due for this sort of job and I mean I'm really excited plus he apparently he mentored uh Vladdy Guerrero Sr. with the Expos yeah I mean we got another Guerrero coming up right now and he's
1: gonna be awesome (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's going to be pretty lit. Um, yeah, like, um, not to tag along with Richard, but truthfully, like, I love the Montoyo hire. I love the Rocco Baldelli hire from Minnesota. I think those two guys, especially coming from the Rays organization and seeing what they've done in the past few years and just what their roster in general this year, I still think into my head that little quote from Chris Russo who literally said, stop trying to win, stop trying to be a team that can't win, and then they go out and win 90-91 games. Like, it says a lot of things. But yeah, no. Montoya paid his dues. Um, so did rockerball Elson a little bit. Like they both deserve managers in this league, and I think those are two outstanding hires. On top of that, though, like no, I don't. I don't hear anybody talking about this David Bell hire. I'm actually a fan of it. I really think it's a good fit for Cincinnati. What do you guys think? Yeah, I haven't looked into the honestly the manager carousel. For some reason, this hasn't really intrigued me too
3: much. Honestly, um, I I don't. I I guess maybe I just sit in the mindset of always still wondering how much effect managers have on a given game um and for some reason like I really like the baldelli signing I think that the the youth side of that is always good for relating to players but um I can't say I know much about like the philosophies and like the what managers believe and I think that's really important to assessing them and I, I feel like it's not publicized enough so I often go into a lot of manager discussions a little bit I don't want to say blind but i guess almost ignorant of what they believe so it's harder for me to like you know i feel like they give to the public the general answers of oh we need to mix analytics and scouting but it's like well what do you actually believe like guys like gabe kapler and some of these other guys come out and say it i love that because it's like all right i know i know and let me see you apply it and he did but i just i guess maybe i just don't know enough about bell and the blue jays manager and um baldelli and stuff honestly but
2: I I tend to come out kind of conservative when it comes to manager hires um, because, I mean, realistically, the majority of their job is what goes on behind closed doors and keeping a functional locker room of 25 guys, depending on how much you bring people up and down. Um, Their job is to make everyone happy and to keep this thing rolling for half of a year and make sure no one kills each other. And then at the same time, do some bullpen changes every now and then. Uh, but I think the Baldelli hire is really smart by Minnesota, specifically because they have a very intelligent front office who just stole someone like Baldelli, who got his start in a role that was blending scouting and analytics and being the guy, the conduit from the front office to the players. Uh, I think that finding guys like that and putting them in positions of power within a locker room is a, way, is a way not just for the organization to feed the message they want from the top, but to have real feedback going back and forth, which I think is smart. And I'm a little bummed about the Osmus hire because that's just the most uninspired decision, and I loved what Epler had been doing in L.A. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, especially uh, when it comes to how they've been drafting the past couple of years. Yeah, the uh, Osmus one was a little bit of a bummer for me, but uh, kind of going back to what Lance said about managers and just not getting too intrigued by managerial hi- hires like both of us are in grad school the last thing we need to be concerned about is w- what the cincinnati reds are doing <laughs> as, as managers like um i'm a jays fan i've always been a jays fan so i i paid attention to what they're doing in terms of uh their manager search so i listened to uh montoya's uh, press conference and all that but like i have my thesis proposal coming up uh, my life is falling apart, so the last thing I need to worry about are the Reds. But uh, that being said, uh, hiring that's been really interesting for me is what the Mets did, and I'm just going to uh, hand it over to Kevin. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Kevin – on the – Jesus Christ. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Mets hire?
2: So I am a big proponent of outside-the-box thinking in most cases – that's why when Brody's name popped up originally, I was pretty excited about it. Um, that being said, as a first year law school student, a lot of the concepts raised by certain people in the industry, I haven't really touched on academically yet. But it just seems really shady, especially as the New York Mets, to hire someone who had a fiduciary obligation oh, to
1: all it. of their... Oh, God, we're using the fancy <laughs> words. Yeah.
2: He reps DeGrom, rept, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Cespedes, Frazier, uh, Tebow, who's going to make a debut next year, which is just horrendous to even think about. But, like, all of these names who are going to be coming into big-time negotiations with the team over the next few years... Their new GM was their agent rep and has all of this information that they might not otherwise have had.
0: Uh huh. Wait, sorry. What was that word you just used, dude?
1: Fiduciary. What does that mean?
0: I think this is like law school. Financial
3: interest.
2: Yes. Basically their job as an agent is to have the best interests of their client, except there's like a legal obligation that comes with it, even though Brody Van Wagenen is not uh, a lawyer himself. Mm -hmm. But you just have special standards that you have to adhere to. And the idea of suddenly flipping sides on all of these guys that are now technically your employees just seems bizarre. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll pipe in and say I uh, I have this theory that in like four years or whatever, Bloom's going to get a GM job eventually. I think he's a, he's a very intelligent individual. He rebuilt. He seemed like he had a very large role in rebuilding the Rays organization, which currently has one of the most loaded farm systems in the in the game. That I don't think anyone really is looking at, but that team is so so unbelievably deep. Um, I think we're going to look back in like four years. And all the jobs he's interviewed for, which I, I think there's a few. I know he interviewed for the Phillies GM job when uh, Ruben Amaro lost it to clentac I think he – I think Haim Bloom interviewed for that, and he interviews for this Met job. Um, I'm sure there's other things on the table between that Philly job and now that he was looking at to get out of the Rays organization possibly and, and have a more elevated role. But we're going to look back in like four years or say four years down the road or four years down the road, Heim gets another job somewhere and then add another four years on. And we're gonna go back and be like, wow, do you remember when Heim Bloom, when the Mets turned down Heim Bloom, look at what he's done now? He's rebuilt this crappy organization, say the Reds or something like that, you know? Like he he's a really smart guy. And I would not be surprised if if Heim Bloom goes somewhere and save Van Wagen it doesn't work out, and then everyone is like, wow, the Mets screwed up again. They should have gone with Heim Bloom because look at what he did to X organization that he goes to. Yeah, that guy's Mets a really intelligent add. individual. I just don't. I don't know anything really about Van Wagenen. I, I read an, an athletic article. Basically, I, I mean, basically all the all the media has just been trained on the fact that he has, as, as Kevin was saying, like an interest in these players because he's negotiated contracts. So is he going to be really good at negotiating contracts? Like, sure, but I, I would argue possibly there's probably more value in a guy who knows how to develop an analytics department, which I know the Mets are behind in, who knows how to develop a scouting department, which I know the Mets are behind in, And I know both those things Heimblum can do very well. So for me... On the third party, like my my just view of the situation, it seems like Heim filled more of the things that the Mets need as opposed to Van Wagenen, who just seems like he's a very very good negotiator. Which I, I guess it helps, but like the Mets don't spend money. Like what is he going to negotiate? Like <laughs> I
1: just I don't in, get that.
2: If I could hop Man. in real quick, yeah. just the devil's advocate for Brody sure, sure. here. Let me um, hear. It. So he was not just an agent. He was also co-head for baseball ops at CAA. So, okay. I mean, he had a role. In, I mean, CAA is no slouch of an organization. Sure. It's rather, uh, rather expansive. So it's not like he has no understanding of how a baseball operations role is going to work. Obviously, doing it from the team side is going to be different, and there are going to be tools at your disposal you might not have otherwise had. Uh, but I don't think that he's so inept or anything like that, or like he only knows how to do contract negotiations. I think that there are other skills. Sure, problem, sure. If this is the type of guy that you're going to target and hire as the new regime, you need to have an ownership group who is willing to also spend for the guys that are going to be around him and bring in, like I wish the Mets sort of just ushered in a new era instead of, sticking to the status quo of holding over Omar and JP and uh, what's his name? Rico. Like if you're going to, if Sandy's going to leave clean house and start over because why bring in some guy with no managerial or with no general manager experience or even baseball executive experience on the team side without also bringing in all of these new faces that he gets to pick out and implant his vision
3: i yeah I agree with that i think that i'm not I'm not saying he doesn't have any other skills like he definitely i'm sure has other skills. I just think for what the Mets need and what they've lacked in for the last couple of years, it seems like Heim has a much better track record to fill in those gaps for the Mets and that's that's where my dividing line is i don't I don't understand enough of the Financial relationship side and all the weird stuff and the unprecedented side of having the agent in a role like this. I just I come back to the fact that it seems to me like Heim would have fit what the Mets need to fix a lot better than Van Wagenen does. I think Heim kind of dodged a bullet here. I, I would have loved to see him take a take hold of this organization. The what Mets is terrible. He's still in the mix. That though, would be okay? interesting.
1: Everybody yeah, they him. have a lot of money.
0: Podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, no, it's totally it's totally cool. You, I miss
3: him. I miss Kevin. That's really what
0: uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, like you get on a phone call and start talking, and now everybody misses Kevin. In my <laughs> mind, I just hope that Jared Kalanick is going to be okay because he's at the Mets. I just hope that the Mets can turn things around. Um, I don't, I completely forget which one of the Mets' uh, top starters had an elbow injury, like, and then the Mets cured his Tommy John. Was it DeGrom or was it Syndergaard?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't think Syndergaard's had anything elbow related. DeGrom has had a previous Tommy John. Yeah. Basically, all of the Mets pitchers have had some kind of surgery, they've gone under the knife.
0: Did, yeah, didn't DeGrom, um, Hurt his elbow earlier in the season, and then the Mets reported that Tommy John might be Oh,
3: necessary. that was on
1: a swing, right?
0: Yeah. And I the, remember that. Yeah. And then he comes back like two weeks later and just becomes the best pitcher in baseball.
1: <laughs> I actually have a funny story about that because here at CBBSN, we have like a the management team kind of has like a fantasy baseball league. And um, I had DeGrom. Oh, oh I know. I won oh, it. No, yeah, Lance knows this very, very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I have to sneak that, and we're gonna bring this up. Or is my gets championship
2: retweeted bro? by Heyman. He's out there just dropping bombs about his fantasy skills. What can't land?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, basically, I hear this report about like first off, Degrom's dealing, and like I hear this report that's like, oh, Degrom might have to have Tommy John surgery, or he might be out for a significant period of time. So, me being so the sometimes rash thinker I am. Occasionally, I was like, "Oh God, Mets are gonna Mets again." Okay, I'm gonna get rid of this guy while I can. Oh no! So I got rid of him for a hurt Josh Donaldson, and I. <laughs> and oh they- God, Pete! Oh, yeah, I know. It was by far the worst trade that I have ever made in my life. Oh actually, man! Actually,
0: um, the oh, Josh man. Donaldson trade in real life might have topped it. <laughs>
1: Okay yeah that was pretty well for you guys. Well hey Richard I also traded you Daniel Murphy for Eduardo Escobar. So like that was I think a
0: I, I don't I don't think I've ever seen lance more triggered by, lance,
3: by you guys, I, I remember that you guys, you guys, guys, there's another trade going down it's huge and i'm like that's the trade that's huge that's what you guys are making me check group me at like 11 30 at night for
0: because lance is just too busy for us but then da- daniel murphy goes on to hit 300 <laughs> I
3: no really? on one leg
1: Literally, Lance. Just I remember the I remember the message quote for quote. It was you guys literally dragged me on here at eleven thirty at night to <laughs> yeah. see a trade for Eduardo Fucking Escobar. Yeah, I think I did drop the F bomb in there. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> from,
0: Um I'm just kind of put, dropping the roots for my future GM job. Like I just robbed a dude. <laughs> That's the first said And my talking to the will Poms. like. Like, if I'm ever a general manager, I will never make a trade better than the one that I did in fantasy this past. (laughs) But, yeah. Anyways, guys, we kind of got to wrap up shortly. Um, Baseball season's over. What do you guys have going on now other than
2: depression?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, take it away, man. Uh, So,
2: right now, I'm just kind of slogging through my first semester of law school. So, that takes up. Probably ninety percent of my time; the other ten of which are spent doing uh, showcase events right now in the New England circuit for Prep Baseball Report, um, and then just kind of just put up the calendar yesterday, xing out the days until baseball season starts again.
3: I like it, man. Yeah, no, I'm out here at Northwestern. I have another. Uh, I'm halfway through my second quarter, so I'll, I'll be here through June. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the winter meetings. I, I'm probably gonna be credentialed down there. So I'm very excited about that. Um, got some story ideas, possibly doing something with Rich that we were talking about this morning, which will be a lot of fun. That'll be a little bit of an off-season project for me. Oh yeah. Um, and then not much, honestly. Uh, yeah, Vegas for the winter meetings. And then I'm looking at going to Arizona for the first time for spring training, which is gonna be cool because I've only been to Florida. So I'm gonna obviously gonna do some coverage if I can. And then yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be relatively quiet, but uh, I'm excited for next year already, and you, uh, particularly boys, excited for winter meetings. When are you boys coming to Canada? I, I might be out there sooner sooner than later because because uh, this little project we got going on. So oh, that would be scary. oh
1: god, teasers, teasers, yeah, it'll be Pete, fun.
3: Pete, what are, what are you doing this
0: off season?
1: this offseason um kind of like you know just being like depressed in undergraduate school you know working for the baseball team basically just living my life over here essentially i ain't got anything interesting going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's pretty fair um anyways guys that does it for another episode of pitching to contact baseball might be over but pete and i are going to be back next week until next time